Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. He read this book and he said, chapter 5, he wept through the entire chapter and he says, I have not felt or experienced the presence of God like that in years. I just want to encourage you, listen, there is holy healing oil of heaven that flows from the pages of this book. It's about the gospel. And if you haven't read it yet, I want you to raise your hand because I'm giving some books away. It's Resurrection Sunday. Raise your hand high. If you want it, you can have it right now. Come on, somebody. There we go. Our generation's Pastor Max is going to hand those out. Keep your hand raised. If we run out, we'll get more. Keep your hand up if you want it. Uh, you have to raise your hand high enough for them to see it. And also keep it up. But I want we want to bless you. You can have this one too, uh, Gracie. Hannah Grace, will you give that to somebody that's nearby? There's somebody with their hand raised right there. And then we have someone raising their hand here. If we could get some more books, if you don't mind. Yeah. So they're going to go grab some more books. So when they come back in, just raise your hand up. We'll get one to you. Amen. So I just want to bless you with that. Uh, let's read. Let's read John chapter 20 real quick. And we're going to just dive right into this. What a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. Thank you for your presence, Lord. This is the account uh, that I love. It's interesting the way John writes the, the passion narrative and the resurrection narrative, uh, looking at some of the other Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, there's something that's very powerful about Mary's uh, encounter with Jesus post-resurrection. You know, it's like this narrative in Genesis where Eve is deceived, and then post-resurrection, Mary's enlightened. She's the first witness, the first uh, uh, witness to give account to the resurrection. That's a big deal. In fact, the early church and the ancient church called Mary an apostle of apostles. It's funny because a lot of people are like, well, women can't be pastors. Yeah, you're right. They can be apostles. You know, there's 25 apostles named in the Bible other than just the 12. And one of them's a woman. Some of you are like, I didn't know that. Well, you just learned something. Mary was the first eyewitness account of the resurrection. So you have this beautiful contrast. You have Eve that, you know, was deceived. Adam and Eve fell, turned away from communion with God. Sin entered the world, the disease of sin. And, and then Jesus comes and redeems us from that disease of sin, heals us, defeats the devil. And then Mary is the first one to see him. And that's what we're reading about today. Y'all ready? You get more books. Raise your hand up if you need another book. Got it? Praise God. All right. Bless you, bless you. You're going to enjoy it. Verse 1 of John chapter 20. You all ready? Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. Say, while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away. She ran, came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Which, by the way, that's he's writing about himself. See, can you imagine if we started writing and look, we look at ourselves as the one whom Jesus loved? See, you need to start looking in the mirror and seeing God's favorite. Stop looking in the fractured mirror of your past and your pain and look in the mirror and see, I am God's beloved. 
I could just preach a whole sermon on that right now. And y'all ain't even feel me, but that's okay. It's Resurrection Sunday. There's plenty of grace for you and forgiveness for you for not shouting down the pastor. You are God's beloved. I tell all my kids, I'm like, I tell Layla, I told her last night, I kissed her and I said, you're my favorite. Don't tell the other kids. See, that's the heart of God for you. You're his favorite. You're all his favorite. And his heart is so big that you can be. But, but this is what the Bible says, the one whom Jesus loved, and he's writing about himself. And, it sa- and said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Mary sees the tomb is empty. She looks into the tomb. I'm going to just jump down to verse 11. She sees angels in there. It's like a type of a new type of mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, in the New Covenant. And it was the bloody grave clothes of Jesus that were in the center. And she is weeping at the tomb. So she's, it's dark, it's early in the morning, and she's weeping. And it says, she said to the angels, they've take, why, they said, why are you weeping? She said, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they have laid him, verse 14. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. So she's standing there, and there's something about the post-resurrection that Jesus, her eyes did not see that it was him. She thought he was the gardener, and she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and said, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Don't cling to me. I've not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Amen. Pray with me real quick. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. Uh, We don't want just another Sunday morning. We don't want just another Easter Sunday morning experience. We want all that you have for us. And may we lay aside presumption and anything that would hinder us from hearing you. We're hungry. We're thirsty for living water. We need you, Lord. Bless your people this morning and use this 47-year-old preacher in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we seal it with praise? Come on. Thank you, Lord. I just want to talk to you about three things that I see in this text, um, and then we're all going to have a wonderful Easter. Who has Easter, like, dinner planned? We always say dinner, but it's like a two o'clock dinner. Raise your hand if you have Easter dinner planned. Uh, who, who's going to have steak this afternoon? Raise your hand if you're going to have steak this afternoon. Seriously, guys? There's only, like, two hands going up, my hand and my wife's hand. Who is vegetarian? May God have mercy on your soul. No, I'm just playing. I'm playing. Where's Sarah? Sarah, my daughter's vegetarian. Uh, there is a scripture in the Bible that says that if you eat only vegetables, you're weak. So I don't know. Pray about it. You know, you can. It's the word, man. You know, praise God. Uh, I am looking forward to that. So we're going to dive into that. But I want to talk to you this morning about three things that I see in the text, um, and uh, and I want to talk to you about the the resurrection narrative that we see here in John chapter 20. The first thing, and I want you to say this with me, is below the surface. Say below the surface. Below the surface. You see, Jesus came into 
our darkness. He came right into the middle of our diseased, fallen humanity and healed it. He went into the darkest place. I know we've all been in some dark places. Uh, you know, this country's kind of in a dark place. How many remember just a few years ago where church was shut down and we're like wondering if we're ever and people are losing loved ones and like, I mean, it, it's been a rough season. How many can say amen? But Jesus went into the darkest of places, into the abyss of the death itself. So the resurrection is about the death of death. In other words, Jesus killed death. Jesus defeated death. And that's what Holy Saturday is about. It's about the harrowing of hell. Jesus came knocking on the doors of hell, if you will, and the King of Glory came in and overtook that place. And the scripture says he preached to those that were imprisoned by death. And a lot of times we don't realize what's going on below the surface. And when I say that, I mean, we could talk about so many different ways that we, we use the term below the surface. Like I, and I, I just want to say to you, and this is what I love about our church. Like we, as, as a church, we, we try to be very transparent and authentic in who we are as leaders, but also as a church, like we don't want to just a religious Sunday morning experience for you on Resurrection Sunday, because sometimes Easter is like the only service that some people go to. Um, and, and so, no, we want you to encounter the Lord. We want you to encounter his presence. And we don't want just the surface. I don't know about you, but I don't want surface Christianity. I'm glad there's somebody in the room that's agreeing with me. I don't want a surface community where there's stuff going on behind the scenes. I want authenticity. I don't want a surface marriage. You know, the Lord spoke to me during worship. And, and, and like, th- this, is, this is so important for us, though, that healthy ministry flows out of healthy marriage and healthy family. Like, I don't have no business pastoring you if I do not love my wife or my kids. Hello, somebody. I finally get an amen out of you off that one, huh? The Lord spoke to me in, in, in about my love for my wife in the middle of worship. I'm like, God, what are you saying to me? And he's like, honor your bride, love your bride. Read Ephesians 5 where it says that Jesus laid his life down for his bride. Read it every day until it consumes you with my love so you can express that love to your wife. Listen, I don't want a surface marriage. I don't want to be a surface family, a Christian family that posts on Instagram and, oh, look at us, we're a happy family and we love Jesus. But on off screen, come on somebody, an off picture, it looks like something entirely different. I ain't got no time for that. I want the real deal. And Jesus went below the surface. Like, we have to realize that he already went into our, we don't have to put on an act. We don't have to, like, pretend to love God. We can allow him to love us to our core until we are changed and transformed. I don't want surface faith. I don't want surface life. I don't want a surface family. I don't want a surface. And, and listen, when, when we are at our low points, when we are broken, when we are hurting, when we're in conflict and confusion, he's closer than we could comprehend. I think about the reality. The text says that it was still dark and, and she's outside the tomb weeping. And she didn't realize that the Lord was right there. I think it's a picture of our Christian life, and unfortunately in Christianity, there's a lot of theology that is contaminated with 
Greek philosophy and views of God that are not biblical or Christ-like. You know, Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. I want to actually read a verse to you real quick out of John chapter 17. This is so powerful. Verse 24, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they would behold my glory which you've given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these, and these have known that you sent me. And look at verse 26 here. This is so powerful. Or listen to it. It says, and I have revealed them your name, and I will declare it, that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. He says, I have revealed them, revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to reveal to them who you are. Listen, Jesus came to reveal to us who God is. God is not some Zeus-like figure with a lightning bolt ready to strike us down. He's a good papa. If we read the early church fathers about why God became man, that, that God, not only Jesus, God the Son, revealed to us the per- there's no God hiding behind Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus is the Father's sermon to humanity. You, know, you want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we see the Father. In fact, Jesus says that. And then Paul confirms it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, that he is the image of the invisible God. We see it in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Matter of fact, in Colossians, it says that the old covenant was the shadow, but Jesus is the substance, the reality. And sometimes we live in the shadow, and, and we have all these things going on in our Christianity above the surface, and deep down under the surface, we, we, we love God like we go to church and, yeah, God, I'll pray. But deep down, we're thinking, like, I don't want to pray because bad things happen. And, you know, why do you allow this? You see, we have a concept of God that empowers a false belief system that somehow everything that happens is God's will. But that's not the God of Christianity that is not the true and living God. This is why Jesus, the perfect revelation of God, says when you pray, pray, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, I want you to know this, that God was at work below the surface. Jesus went into the depths of our darkness and our diseased humanity in order to heal and sanctify and set us free. And there are things that happen in this world, and we should not blame God. We should not try to live our Christian life in a way where everything on the surface looks good, and I'm praying and I'm reading my Bible, but deep down, I have animosity towards a God that I've made in my own vain, fallen human imagination. See, sometimes people receive forgiveness from God, and then they can't. Maybe they can't forgive themselves. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there like, God, you've forgiven me, but then I can't forgive myself. Have you ever been there? And you still hold yourself under condemnation, guilt, and shame. And we need deliverance. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Like we should never walk. God is not a God of condemnation. Conviction is a revelation. It's light that brings healing, not condemnation and bondage. The law brings bondage. We're not under law. We're under grace. But there's something about this freedom 
of realizing that in our weeping and in the darkness and in our delusion and in our confusion and in the conflict of how we see God and how we see ourselves, that we can receive his healing, love, and grace and he can remove those false images of the Zeus-like archaic religious deities that we formed in our fallen minds. This is what the revelation of God in Jesus is all about. Matter of fact, there's this powerful quote. I hope you all are following me. T.F. Torrance said this, In Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he penetrated into the dark depths of our alienated, enslaved, and distorted human existence, making it his own order to heal, sanctify, and renew it in himself throughout the whole course of his vicarious human life, death, and resurrection, and thus restore us to a perfect loving union with God the Father. Are you thankful that he loves us in our mess? Are you thankful that he loves us below the surface? Brennan Manning in his book, The Furious Longing of God, so eloquently said this, there's the you that people see, and then there's the rest of you. Let God love the rest of you. I don't know about you, but I got so sick and tired of the religious hamster wheel of surface Christianity early on that I said, I ain't gonna have, I have no time for that. I'm gonna let God love all of me. And I'm not just gonna present a Sunday version of me that's hooting and hollering in worship. But on Monday, I'm actually mad at God, but I'm not really mad at God. I'm mad because I got a bad view of God. I need better theology. Theology is how you see God. Not just some systematic order of big words like atonement and, you know, all these things in in theology and theodicy, the problem of evil and, you know, eschatology. Who knows any of these words? It's not just, theology is not just going to seminary and learning about theology. How do you see God? You see, you could go to seminary, also known in some cases, cemetery. Come on, somebody. You can have a degree But people that have a revelation of God as Father are light years ahead of theologians with little digits after their name. Come on, somebody. While it was dark, Mary was weeping, but Jesus was right there. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life, I'll share this story really quick, where I'm like, God, where are you in the mess? I, like, I, I don't understand why this happens. Uh, we planted a church in Las Vegas in the inner city area. Our heart was from the inner city to the outer nations. What happens in Vegas won't stay in Vegas, come on, but shake the nations for the glory of God. We renamed Las Vegas from Sin City, and we prophesied and called it Revival City. We called those things that are not as though they were. And we had a church, and it exploded. And we're doing outreach, and people are getting saved left and right, transformed, physical healings. Incredible things were happening early on in our ministry in Las Vegas. And one Sunday morning, we're praying in worship, and we begin to pray for people that are addicted to drugs. And you could hear people in in the room, like, weeping. There was true intercession. Some of them maybe had their own struggles, or maybe it was a part of their past, or maybe they had loved ones that struggled with it. And it was a powerful time, and you could feel the victory in the room that surely, like when we were making these prayers, that there were chains that were breaking off people's lives in our city. Well, two weeks after this, we get a phone call from somebody who goes to our church and says, one of our family members who was in his 20s, this young man, died of a drug overdose. And we're like, what in the world? And I remember this conflict. I'm like, we just prayed this. And like, why? 
I don't understand. Now, I want to just encourage you right now. The Bible says God works all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. The Bible doesn't say that the, God initiates all things. That's the blurry vision version. That's, that's a bad theological version of the Bible. He doesn't initiate. He works all things together for those who receive his love and reciprocate it. See, when our hearts are yielded to him, it gives him permission to weave broken things and make them beautiful. So I'm like, God, why did this happen? We just prayed. What's going on? So thankfully, in that time in my life, I knew that not everything that happened was God's will. It wasn't God that did it. People make dumb choices. How many know that bad things happen in a broken world because of sin and fallenness? So we're asked to do the funeral. So I'm like, oh, absolutely. We'll do the funeral. We'll serve the family. And I'm like, I, early on, I made a decision. Funerals, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel. And we had probably like 60 people show up for this young man in his 20s. Tragic loss. It was devastating. You know, the, the mother was there and it was just it was horrible. I remember the little boy, his son was probably four years old. And I remember uh, he was a junior too. He had his name. And I remember praying over him and loving on him. And this kid doesn't understand. He's confused. His dad's gone. So we're preaching. We do some worship. And I preached the gospel, and I said, if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, I'm here to tell you right now, you better make a decision for Christ. He loves you. He wants to have relationship with you. And there was about 30 to 40 people that stood up, raised their hand and stood up and received Jesus and were born again that day. Come on. 70% of the people in the room gave their hearts to the Lord. Now, I quickly found out a lot of these people were also drug dealers, drug users, gang leaders and things like that so the next Sunday the next couple weeks we had all these new parishioners and they're all like former gangsters I'm like come on somebody we ended up getting a guy who's on our usher team that was like some former gang leader man he was great on the usher team I remember one time this brother rolled up on me and he like he I was like hey bro and he's like don't touch me and this this usher this former gang leader rolled up he's like sir you're gonna have to leave he was yoked too I'm like, we need more, more gangsters get saved. Come on, somebody. And I, I'm so thankful because I'm a scrapper, dude. I was ready to throw down in the back of the church. I wasn't preaching that day. One of our guests was, but I was back there. I'm like, what, dude? I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm saved. <laughs> I almost lost my salvation right there. Like, no, I need to love. Yeah, okay, I'm a Christian. Praise God. <laughs> Work below the surface, Lord. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful, though, how God can take true broken things and make them beautiful that the death of this young man the seed that was lost turned into a harvest of souls see that's my prayer over our city every lost lone, lonely hurting people every loved one that maybe some of you have lost listen may their life be a seed for revival souls coming into the kingdom of god God takes broken things and makes them beautiful. He loves us in our mess. He, he goes into the abyss of death, hell, and the grave, the darkest place of all, any, way darker than any situation any person has ever been in, death itself. Uh, man, I love this uh, quote from the early church. It says this. This is St. John Chrysostom. Death took a body and met God face to face. Come on. 
It took earth and encountered heaven. It took that which was seen and fell upon the unseen. Can you say amen? See, St. Gregory the theologian said, whatever is not assumed is not redeemed. Jesus assumed it all. All of our broken humanity. And he came right in the middle of our delusion and he reveals his love to us and who he is and the light and love of who he is heals, sanctifies, and frees us. So now, not only do we know who he is, but now we discover who we are. Point number two, say this with me out loud, into newness. See, Jesus came to bring us into new life. There are some things out in society, in the world right now, that that the enemy is trying to counterfeit the authentic thing that God does when he speaks. He brings a revelation. The enemy always tries to bring a skin of the truth stuffed with a lie. You know, like you look at in the book of Acts, the the disciples, uh, the apostles are preaching and Paul's preaching and a lady possessed with the witchcraft spirit, a spirit of divination, says these are servants of the Most High God to proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, what she said was right, but it was not the right spirit. It was the skin of the truth stuffed with a lie. And there are words like identity, and there are words like inclusion that society has taken and twisted. You see, inclusion without intention leads to perversion. What I mean by that is if we believe God is inclusive and wanting to bring us in a new life, but we don't know his intention, it will lead us astray into somewhere else. We need truth and love. You see, thankfully, love does not just invite me to come and drink waters of salvation. Love says when you drink this water, you're going to be changed, son. When you drink this, when you encounter this love, this love transforms you And not only do you get a revelation of who God is, but you get a revelation of who you are. And when you know who you are, and by the way, who you are is not who you want to be. It's who God has called you to be. I feel like I'm preaching better than you're responding, but that's okay. It's Easter Sunday. May the Lord have mercy on your soul for not saying amen to my sermons. Man, it's, it's so powerful when we realize God has brought us into newness of life. And listen, this newness of life is a free gift. You can't earn it and you can't lose it. You could turn away from it. You could reject it. But it's there for the taking. Freely come and drink these waters of life from Jesus. He's given you a new relationship with him. Stop trying to forge one out of your own brokenness, man. Receive new life that Jesus has given to you. Mary's outside the tomb weeping, and she's talking to the Lord and doesn't even realize it's the Lord. Isn't that just like us sometimes in our life? We don't even realize God's right there with us. Matter of fact, when we're weeping, he's weeping with us. He's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what we're going through. Come on. He knows the struggles you and I face. He knows every thought, and he still radically loves us and accepts us. And he pours out forgiveness. This is what, this is his nature. His nature is love. Love is not an attribute of God. It's the very essence of God. Because God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Love necessitates relationship. 
This is not a God that uh, archaic religion or our fallen minds could ever dream up. It's not this solitary God that, you know, hopefully if you get on his good side, you might go to heaven. No, this is a love that radically pursues you. Love is not something God does. Love is who God is. <laughs> Man, and listen, some people say, well, I hope God doesn't stop loving me someday. It's impossible because if love is who God is, it's impossible that God could cease to be because he's God. So if God stopped loving you, that would mean he would cease to be, and that's not possible, so he's always going to love you. Even if you reject his love, he's still burning with relentless, fiery, undaunting, passionate love of a father, a son, a spirit that he pursues us with his love. And he calls us in the newness of life. Mary's weeping outside the tomb, and she hears a voice. And she's talking to the gardener, but she hears something significant. She hears the Lord call her by name. See, when the Lord calls me by name, I love testimonies, man. I love hearing about encounters with God. I love hearing, man, I, like I live for it. You don't understand. I pray every Sunday, man, that every person that walks into this room encounters his love and his presence. Every, but I also want to encounter that love and that presence. It's one thing. Like Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And they're like, well, some say that. No, he's like, no, no, no. I didn't ask you what other people say about me. Who do you say that I am? What about your encounter with God? He said, the Lord's calling you and I by name. And Jesus says, Mary. Immediately she recognized the voice of her Lord. And she said, Rabboni, Lord, Master, Teacher. She knew immediately it brought security. It baptized her broken soul with peace and love and joy and hope and acceptance and life because there is life in his voice. Jesus prophesied it. He said there's coming an hour that when the Son of Man speaks, the voice of God will bring the dead to life. I'm here to tell you when Jesus talks to you, he will bring you to life. He will take those hopeless like my wife was prophesying. There's dead dreams and he's calling those things as not as though they were. It's time for you to come alive in your identity he's calling you into newness of life it's time to leave the old behind and step into the new it's resurrection sunday 2023 and my prayer is that you hear the voice of the son of god calling you by name not just your pastor, not just your leader, not just your worship team, not just the people on the front row that worship a little more passionately than you. Everyone from the front hear the voice of the Lord call you by name. There's transformation in that voice. There's security in that voice. There's love that never ends. I'm changed forever. I'm changed forever. I was a drug addict like partying crazy buffoon in Las Vegas, and I heard Jesus call me by name when I was 17 years old. I'll never be the same. I couldn't read a lick, man. I, I read at a first grade level my first Bible study. Hey, would you read, Zach? I'm 17 years old. I'm like, okay, God bless the genitals. I'm reading. I thought Gentile was pronounced genital. I didn't even know what a genital was. Come to find out blessing genitals is actually biblical. In the Old Testament, Abraham would bless the loins of his son. You know, come on, somebody. Like, I read at a first grade level. 
I got held back. I got tested for learning disabilities. And all of a sudden, the Lord breathes into my life. And he says, I can take a man who's ordinary. I can take a man who would just yield and surrender. You could be like Peter and John. It says they were uneducated, but they realized that they had been with Jesus. I don't need an education. I just need God. I'm not anti-education. I'm just trying to exemplify to you that God can take ordinary and make it extraordinary. I'm like, God, how are you going to use me? I can't even read. And the Lord began to breathe in me and, 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 and bless my memory. And he taught me how to read. And, he, and I learned all of a sudden I'm memorizing scripture. Anyone would ask me like, oh, where's that scripture, Zach? Zach knows he's like a walking concordance. When before I said genital. God gets all the glory. How are you going to, you held me back, Lord. I don't even have a GED. How am I? God blesses me with a job. And then I get another job, and my income doubles, triples, quadruples. Then I'm on real estate, like the favor of God. And I was a tither, too. Come on, somebody. Better believe it. God calls us in the newness of life. He calls us in the newness of life. He's calling you by name, just like he did Mary, the voice of the one that I love. Song of Songs, chapter 5. This is so profound. After this, I let my devotion slumber, but my heart for him stayed awake. I had a dream. I dreamed of my beloved. He was coming to me in the darkness of night. The melody of the man I love awakened me. I heard his knock at my heart's door as he pleaded with me. Jesus called me and said, Zach, I have a plan for you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to love you with an undaunting love, and it's going to heal your brokenness in your heart because I'm calling you into a new identity. I'm calling you into new life at the sound of his voice. Oh, what can happen if we just hear the sound of his voice? One day we're leaving the church, and I'm about to walk downstairs. Everyone's gone. Turn the lights out. All of a sudden, I'm walking down the stairs. I hear a child screaming in agony, crying, and I realize... That it's not outside, it's not across the street, it's right here in the foyer. And I hear the front door open and then close. And it's my daughter, Layla, who at the time was, I think, just almost eight years old. She was seven. And she's like, no, no. And what we'd realize is mom thought Sarah had her. Sarah thought mom had her. But she was downstairs messing around. Little girl learned her lesson. Came up. No one's here. So she's crying out, and in that moment, it's dark in the sanctuary, and I'm running, fumbling through, turning the light on on my phone, trying not to fall and crack my head open in the sanctuary. But I said out loud, I said, Layla, it's dad. I'm here. It's going to be okay. I ran through the doors. Poor little thing, man, just crying, runs up. I've never felt her squeeze me that hard. And of course, I pick her up. She's almost eight years old, but you know, she's, she's getting big. But I held her like she was two and said, baby, I got you. Dad's here. It's going to be okay. Listen, hear the sound of the father's voice over you. He's saying, it's going to be okay. I'm here. Even when it's dark and you don't realize, I'm working. Even when you don't see it, I'm working. And not the way you think. It's like God, it's not like, oh, I'm going to just allow a little sickness just to teach you a lesson. That's not who God is. 
God is light and him is no darkness at all. He is the father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Stop forming God in your own image in the shadows and see who he is in the light of Jesus of Nazareth. Newness of life. Lastly, say this with me. I'm from Las Vegas, so this is easy to say. I'm all in. All in. Listen, Jesus included the whole world. What is this phrase he says to Mary after this? Immediately, Mary's like, Lord, runs to him. He says, don't cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. He says, I'm going to ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. He says, go tell my brethren. What is this phrase that he says? And, and what does it mean for God to be inclusive of his love? You see, this is a word that society has perverted. I won't take too much time to explain to you. I think it's pretty obvious, and I mentioned it before, that that word has been... There's a lot of things that we say, but it depends on our definition. Is it God defining it? Is it the Scripture defining it? Or is it some other definition? It's like, well, you're not very loving. Well, what does that mean? I don't, like, tolerate things. Does that mean that I don't speak truth in your life? If someone says, well, only God's my judge, does that mean you don't like being told the truth when you're acting silly? Hello? So there's inclusion, there's identity. See, these words that God has given us, in the revelation of who he is, we discover who we are so we can live out this love to a broken, fallen world. But that means that we have to get it right. What did Jesus say? But but I want to make sure that you understand that God is so inclusive and so loving, I think that we could barely comprehend his love and In fact, I believe for all eternity, we will be discovering the depths of his love. But that doesn't mean we water down love. Love does not compromise. Love is always truthful. Love is not passive. Love shapes me into my true identity and doesn't accommodate for irresponsibility. Love calls me higher. Love doesn't keep me down. Love doesn't say, come as you are, stay as you are. Love says, come, and you're going to be transformed. And this is what happened. But I I wanted to share something with you in closing. God's heart is inclusive with intention. You see, if we talk about inclusion without intention, we lead to perversion. What is the intention of God? His heart of love to call you into your identity that he has created you to walk in. What does that mean? That means you don't have to struggle anymore. That means that you hear his voice. It means you walk in newness of life. It means that you can be loved and be known and know. Know God and know one another. It means you can live in freedom in Christ. It means you can be free from the bondages of sin the guilt and condemnation of sin. Oh man, I've been saved a while, but his grace is still amazing. And the more I talk about it and sing about it and read the scripture, I sing, Lord, your grace is still amazing. I'll never forget when I was 17, I prayed that little prayer. June 18th, 1992. 
I saw the world differently. You know what I did? I remember going home from Denver back to Vegas where I lived and every person on the airplane, are they born again? You love them too, Lord. I want to tell them about you, Jesus. I heard this story in reference to the heart of God, God's intention. See, identity or inclusion without intention leads to something else. And we don't want something else. We want what God has. Can you say amen? Bishop Tommy Reed, who's a prolific leader in the body of Christ, he's 90 years old, sharp, anointed, lives in the Buffalo region, pastored one of the largest Assembly of God churches, pastored in Manila, pastored in Hong Kong. One of the biggest moves of God this region has seen after the Second Great Awakening. He's preaching at a pastor's conference and he tells a story. And I just want to quickly tell the story to you. And then I want to dismiss you after we pray. So Tommy Reed, pastoring one of the largest churches in the country, largest Assembly of God church in the country. And the Lord speaks to him. And he says, Tommy, I can no longer use you because you don't see the world as I see it. Why did Jesus say, don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my father. I'll tell you why in just a moment. So he had a vision. Instantly, the Lord was revealing something. He had Tommy's attention. What do you mean, Lord? I have a big church. I have a large ministry worldwide. Like, you can't use me? God was doing something in his heart so he could change his vision. I want you to understand a healthy view of what it means for God's heart to be inclusive. Because indeed, he has included and called all those, like Revelation twenty-two seventeen, come and let him that thirst come, whoever desires, let him come to the water of life freely. Bishop Tommy sees a picture of the world. Instantly, he's flying over the world. He sees Manila, where he pastored. Hong Kong, where he pastored. He sees Honolulu, which, by the way, before he pastored in Buffalo, he was elected by the church in Honolulu. Honolulu. He had to turn it down because the Lord called him to Buffalo. He's telling the story. He's like, try to make that decision. <laughs> like, the Lord's like, Honolulu, Buffalo. And the Lord's like, Buffalo. And he's like, but Lord, this is paradise. Buffalo. Sound familiar, Rochelle? Vegas. Rochester. Rochester. I want to be right in the center of where God's called me. If not, I'll be miserable. So he accepts the call and he goes to Buffalo. So he's like, he's seeing the whole world. He sees the world spinning around. Then all of a sudden he sees these nail-scarred hands. And he's like, those are the hands that have shaped my life. And instantly, his old theological paradigm, which was hellfire brimstone, which we know there are consequences to those that reject the love of God, but his old paradigm was representing a version, a contaminated version of who God is. And he's thinking, these are hands of judgment. Oh no, the world's going to shake like God. Oh, there's tribulation and there's all this stuff coming. And instantly, his vision was transformed and he saw the hands of a humble, loving king that was like a shepherd, caring for the world. And he opens the world up and Bishop Tommy tells a story. He says he was startled. He was, what am I going to see? And the Lord's showing him this in, in this vision. And he, he opens the world up and guess what he sees? He sees a broken heart representing humanity. And he saw these nail-scarred hands 
caring for this broken heart. And this is what the Lord spoke to him. And I, I want to declare it over us that we would capture God's vision and heart for broken humanity. And we would know, and we got to take back these words, identity and inclusion. Come on, you should be amening right there. We got to take these back and sanctify them because they're given from heaven. The authentic, what does it mean for God to be inclusive? It means that everyone is invited. It means everyone can come and drink and they're going to be transformed when they do. And here's what the Lord said to him. Instantly, he realizes, oh. And this is what the Lord says. The world that we face, the world that we've been called to is the world that Jesus died for, all of them. First John 2, 2, when he served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good, not only ours, but the whole world's. The whole world. Say the whole world's. All in. Jesus was all in and all were included in him. Mystically at the cross, in the burial, in his vicarious humanity, the resurrection, from the virgin womb to the empty tomb. G Listen, all these people that are broken out, all these people, people that you know, they're invited to the table. They have an Abba and they don't even know it yet. They have a Father that loves them. And our hearts should be magnifying of this love that is so inclusive and so fiery and so holy and so beautiful that anyone who gazes on the beauty of the revelation of who God is. That's what the gospel is, by the way. It's a revelation of the very character of God. The word euangelion is where we get the word gospel, and it means a, uh, someone who proclaims that a king is born. The gospel of the kingdom is a revelation of a king. And the gospel is not behave, behave, behave. It's behold, behold, behold. And what you behold, you become. So may we as the people of God, this Resurrection Sunday, get a glimpse of his glorious face. May we hear the sound of his voice. And may we get a revelation of his heart that includes all of broken humanity. The world we see, the world we are called to is the world Jesus died for. Some of you are praying for, praying for loved ones, but you still can't even see them as acceptable to the Lord. Some of you are praying for people, praying for your city. It's like, yeah, but these people are sinners, they're rotten sinners. No, they're, they're so valuable to the Lord. The blood of Jesus does not make you worthy. It proves you're worthy. Sinners have value. Yes, that's why Jesus came. That's why he died and rose again. God, give us your heart for the broken. I want to pray for you. I want to ask you just reverently, would you stand up and I want to ask our leaders and our team just speaking to softly pray in the spirit right now. Come on, pray. Pray in the spirit right now just for a moment. And, and as you stand, would you, can we lift our hands to the Lord right now? Can we lift our hands to the Lord right now? My prayer is that every single one of us would just be aware and awaken to his amazing love here is love vast as the ocean. Who can fathom the depths of this wondrous, marvelous love that transforms us, that took a messed up teenager and called him to pass
pastor a church? Wow. And write a book? I can barely read. God, your love and grace is amazing. And we receive it and we thank you for it. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.